0: Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a weekly podcast that will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. I'm happy today to be joined with Patrice fagnant MacArthur, and she's going to be talking with us a little bit about her book that just was published, Our Lady of La Salette, A Mother Weeps for Her Children. Patrice is the author of a few other books. She has a book called The Power of Forgiveness. She co authored the Catholic Baby Name book with Lisa Hendy and also contributed to the Catholic Mom's Prayer Companion. She is a mother of three and has a master's degree in applied theology. And so I'm very happy to welcome to the show Patrice.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So you just published this book on Our Lady of La Salette. And I guess maybe for a lot of listeners, Perhaps they've heard of it, especially if they're a person that has a background of Marian devotion, kind of is a name that gets lumped into all these different Marian apparitions when you rattle them off. I think most people hopefully have a sense of Our Lady of Lourdes and healing water, that there are others who probably know the story of Fatima, they pray the rosary, they know the Fatima prayer. But I bet the story of La Salette is not one that a person could easily articulate, Or tell anybody about. So maybe could you just give a a brief backstory of the apparition of Our Lady of La Salette?
1: Sure. Um, It was one, honestly, that I wasn't very familiar about until I started um, hearing something about it and decided it was something I wanted to learn more about. And that's how this book came about. I'm like, people should know about this apparition. Uh, It took place in 1846 on September 19th. Um, So we're coming up on the anniversary of it. It was in the small town of Cor. Uh, La Salette is a little hamlet that's right outside of it. And our Blessed Mother appeared to two small, poor shepherd children, um, something that it has in common with Our Lady of Fatima and Our Lady of Lourdes. She often appeared to these small children that the world's thought insignificant. And really her message was one of reconciliation. She the people of Kor had really forgotten God. They were working on Sundays. Uh everyone was basically using blasphemy. It it was a world honestly that reminded me a lot of our world today. Um, and so she reached out to the people with a message of reconciliation and called them to repent. And to return to honoring the Sabbath and to stop using the lord 's name in vain, it was really a message of putting god 's first in one 's life
0: okay, and that 's a, a beautiful story and you know one of the things that I love about the La Salette apparition and I saw a statue of this when I was at one of the La Salette shrines in our country there 's one out in Attleboro, Massachusetts. I was there for yes. for a week uh, this past year and what I love about the apparition is that these two kids, they're out in the field, and their dog is there, and the dog is sleeping yes. during the apparition. <laughs> yes. And I actually made a point that I'm like, if I'm going to buy anything here, I want it to have the dog. And so they didn't have a statue with the dog, but I got a picture of Our Lady of La Salle with these two children and uh, – and the dog, and so it's something that I keep next to all my Marian uh, statuary and images and, and whatnot. But yeah, that's my favorite it's true.
1: part. Yep, the dog was right there, and they they come to it. the dog was always a very good watchdog. But during this whole apparition, it just slept happily, you know, basking in Our Lady's rays.
0: <laughs> now. The title of your book is Our Lady of La Salette, A Mother Weeps for Her Children. And of course, that's very rich uh, theologically, yeah. as we think about Mary as our mother, as the mother of all believers. But there's a particular yeah. aspect of the apparition in which Mary actually weeps. So she yes, has she was her actually, tears.
1: Yeah, she was actually crying throughout the entire apparition. Um, which I think is pretty unique among the Marian apparitions that she was there literally crying for her children and begging them to come back to Jesus and and God the Father.
0: It really captures, in a sense, Our Lady of Sorrows, you know, Mary's sorrow mm-hmm. over over sin, over uh, people not putting God first in their life. And if I'm not mistaken, as I recall the images of Our Lady of Lost, there are three different phases of the apparition where... Um, You know, they were walking, and they encounter her, they go somewhere else, Mm -hmm. and then there's Mary with her face in her hands, and that's the weeping Madonna there. Um, Right. So can you maybe articulate just a little bit about the the three different phases?
1: Uh, It was all part of one coherent message, but yes, um, you know, she first appeared in this globe of light. That was the first thing that they saw, and they saw her kneeling sitting there weeping, and the young boy, Maximum, really thought that she was a woman who had been hurt by someone, and he wanted to offer her help. Um, she kept, you know, she, he thought that maybe she had been hurt by her husband or her father, and so he wanted to offer her assistance. And then she began her message to them, and then in the conclusion of the message, she gave each of them a secret that they were um, to later share with the Pope,
0: Can you tell us a little bit about Melanie and Maximum and kind of their life after the apparition? So they have this experience, and then what do they do afterwards? How do they make Our Lady's message known? And do people actually, as they receive the message, you're taking God's name in vain, you're not going to church Mm -hmm. on Sunday. Was there a renewal in La Salette, in this little village, of people going to Mass, of people respecting God's name?
1: There actually really was. um, So the children went back home to their families and shared the story with them of what had happened. And for those who are familiar with the story of Fatima or Lourdes, it was a very similar reaction where you have the mayor and the public officials really trying to quell what's going on and get to the bottom of it and accusing them of lying. Um, You have their families at various levels of support. Um, You have a parish priest who believed in it. And then the bishops started to investigate, but word spread quickly. There started to be miracles that took place in conjunction with the apparition site and with the water from a stream that was there. So the word among the, the people spread very quickly, and there began to be pilgrimages, and the people did reform their ways in that small little area. And more widespread throughout France, the message was getting out that this was something that needed to happen.
0: Yeah. And for people who might not know where La Salette is in in the world, it is in the country of France, as you just mentioned. It's actually in the Alps. uh, And so a very beautiful place. I I haven't been there myself. I, I guess I was wondering, have you gone on a pilgrimage yet to La Salette? Or is that kind of the next place you want to go in your life?
1: Yeah, it would be wonderful to get there. I did get the opportunity to go visit the shrine in Attleboro, as you did, and had a lovely afternoon there, really soaking up um, the spirituality of that place. And the image I include on the front of the book is from that shrine.
0: Oh, sure. Yes, I, I do recognize it as I'm looking at it. And when it comes to Marian devotion and You've probably Mm -hmm. had a devotion to Mary for a while, and maybe you two were devoted to Lourdes or to Fatima. But what was it that drew you to want to study a bit more about Our Lady of La Salette and and to share the message with other people?
1: Really, I just found it was a message that our world so needs today that we have lost, for the most part, um, putting God first in our lives. And I mean, I know people look at the world and say, oh my goodness, we have so many problems. We have, you know, issues with abortion. We have issues with gender identity. We have issues with homosexuality, violence, sexual trafficking. I mean, there's so much that is wrong with our world. But if we go back to the absolute basics and we start putting God first and focus on prayer and focus on going to Mass and having the sacraments and keeping holy the Sabbath, those mm-hmm other issues would fade away, that if there was a renewal of the world, like what a tremendous thing that would be for our whole community. Um, so I really think this is a getting back to basics message, and I think it's a message that our world desperately needs today.
0: One of the aspects of the message, as we've already discussed, was the importance of Sunday. And what are some, what are some suggestions you might have for people to, to really keep holy and to honor the Sabbath?
1: Right. Um, well definitely going to mass, you know, making a mass a priority with your family. I know it can be tempting, like, oh, we'll just skip this week, you know, we're tired, what have you. But really making that commitment to be there every week and to bring your children. Um, I know a few well, it's probably like ten or fifteen years ago now, I started to make a renewed effort to really try to make the Sabbath a day of rest, to take a break from work. And I mean, I'm someone who works from home. It's easy for me to keep working. There's always something that needs to be done. And so now I make a concerted effort. I go off the computer um, for most of Sunday. I say, you know, I start with Saturday night, and then, you know, I'll reconnect Sunday night. But I get off the Internet. I get off the email. And I really try to make it a day of relaxation, try to, you know, take advantage and do something I enjoy. God gave us that day for rest and for relaxing, for family time, And really how wonderful it would be if we could bring that back.
0: Definitely. And reclaiming Sunday as a day of worship. Of course, a lot of people don't go to church uh, on Sunday. They skip out on Mass. Uh, They go maybe when it's convenient. And so it's an invitation really for us to take seriously uh, the Lord's command to keep holy the Sabbath, which in our Christian tradition has become the day of the resurrection on the day Mm -hmm. in which Christ rose on Sunday on Sunday. Uh, reminding us of that first Easter Sunday. You mentioned a little bit about the children and some secrets that they received. And, you know, people are always mesmerized by secrets, I think. And that's that was yeah. really one of the controversial aspects of Fatima was the third secret of Fatima. And, you know, there was a delay in releasing it. And then there's conspiracy theories that, you know, right. did it really happen? Did, did they release the real secret of Fatima? So, well, what can you tell us about the secrets of La Salette, and are they also mired in controversy?
1: They, they are. It seems to always be the case. You know, I was talking about this with one of my children, and he suggested, why don't they just tell the Pope? Like, wouldn't that be so much easier if our Blessed Mother just appeared to the Pope and said, here, this is what I want you to know? <laughs> but, but I don't know. For whatever reason, they chose choose to go this route of uh, sharing secrets with um, the children that have had these various apparitions. And certainly um, Melanie and Maximum's secret has also been embroiled in controversy. They wrote the secrets down in 1851 at the urging of the bishop. He wanted them to uh, write them down, seal them, and he made sure that they were delivered uh, directly to the Pope. Um, so those secrets went to the Vatican. And then later on, about 20 years later, um, Melanie had really become obsessed. It's possible she had some mental illness. She really thrived on the adulation of the crowds and people praising her. And so she began to dribble out like parts of the secret. And she wrote a much longer version of the secret than she had done in 1851 that was ultimately published and put on the list of banned books, um, which they had at the time for the church. And so many people thought that the apparition of La Salette had been banned. So that certainly contributed it to it's been downplayed but that wasn't the case at all it was just this version of the secret that she had come out with and so then the secrets seemed to have been lost um, no one could find them the head of the congregation uh, for our lady of la salette for the fathers of la salette tried to approach the vatican and say you know is it possible could we see these and people looked for them and they were like no nowhere to be found um, but then in uh, 1999 um, they opened up the papers of, I want to say it's Pope Leo the X. Um, I don't have my fingers on it right now. But he was the same one who had seen the vision um, of the church being uh, tormented by the devil, and he had written the St. Michael's it Prayer.
0: Pope Leo the so, 13th, if I'm not mistaken, but oh, I could be wrong.
1: Okay. Okay. I know it's one of the Leos. <laughs> um, so then... Um, so they opened up his papers, and a scholar went to go study uh, those papers, and, and in fi- looking through them, he found the secrets, um, and, and subsequently wrote a book sharing what appears to have been the authentic um, 1851 versions of the secrets. Um, the Vatican's never come out and made a statement either way, so, you know, it's, it's I don't, I'm not sure why, but it does seem reasonable to think that those were the official secrets.
0: So you mentioned a little bit uh, that some people thought that Luslip might not even be approved, that it hasn't received the favor of the Church, and really it has been approved, and maybe can you just comment a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, Yes, a lot of the controversy resulted from the secret that uh, Melanie had put out, Um, and that secret is still available widely on the Internet. I mean, really, uh, it was the first thing I found when I look up, Our Lady of La Salette, which is unfortunate that people are getting this erroneous view of what Our Lady of La Salette's message was actually about. Um, But the apparition itself was definitely approved. The message is considered worthy of belief. There have been a number of cures associated with Our Lady of La Salette. It's definitely a message that heaven wanted us to have.
0: Wonderful. And One of the things also you mentioned was the missionaries of Our Lady of La Salette. So there is actually a religious order in the church that was founded as a result of the message of La Salette to be able to spread it, to share it, to promote it. And uh, so that's a very beautiful thing. But at the same time, the La Salette message isn't one that's out there all that much. A lot of people don't know it unless a priest preaches about it on Sunday or they read something about it. They read your book. That's how people come to know the story of lost Latin. Oftentimes, I've wondered if about a Marian apparition, uh, sometimes the ones that receive great attention are are very easygoing and, um, you you know, kind of the Lord's apparition. Yes, Mary talks about sin and conversion and things like that. But also, uh, it's a very easy message. It's healing. It's the Lord's water. It's all of these things. Mm. And... And so with all of that, I think when we have a difficult apparition that maybe challenges us, that calls us to conversion, all of these things, that it's not readily received. And do you think that could contribute a little bit to maybe why we don't know the story of La Salette? Oh,
1: certainly. Um, You know, it's never gotten the Hollywood treatment, like the Song of Bernadette or the story of Fatima, um, which, you know, in so many ways helped spread those messages um, it's a lesser-known apparition, and certainly there are so many apparitions of Mary, um, even ones that, you know, that have been approved by the Church. That was, I mean, I know that I know very little about. You'll I'll hear the title of them and be like, yes, I've heard that title, but I don't know anything about it. And that was certainly my case with Our Lady of La Salette. I had even been to the Shrine once, you know, maybe 10 years ago. I had gone, they do a beautiful christmas light decoration um, at Christmas time, and I had gone to see that. But even with that, I still didn't know much about the apparition until I really took the time to go back and study it. Uh, The vast majority of books written about the subject were from the 1950s, um, when they were just, you know, right after the 100th year anniversary, um, people were revisiting the message. So I really felt that this was a message that needed to be revisited for today um, in light of our world.
0: Maybe just our last question about your book, Our Lady of La Salette, A Mother Weeps for Her Children. I wonder, what is the one takeaway that someone listening to this, and then they maybe read the book and learn about La Salette, what's the one thing you'd want people to take away from uh, the message of Our Lady?
1: Really just to put God first, to put the Sabbath back to being a, a holy day. And to not take our Lord's name in vain, and then the one thing she asked for the children was to spread this message to the world. Um, so, when, you know, in a small way, I'm trying to do that, and if others can certainly share that message, you know, primarily by their example, how you live your lives is a huge way of sharing that message, but also in conversation to really fulfill Our Lady's wish to get this message out to the world.
0: And that's the very beautiful thing about all of these Marian apparitions that we have is that. Mary speaks to the visionary, to the seer, and gives them a purpose, as you said, to share this message with the world. And, But in some way now, as we're so far removed from the apparition, well, we still participate in that mission. We still share that message and that mission that those children had even thinking of the Fatima children. I think of the apparition that we have in the United States in Wisconsin in Champion, that when Our Lady Mm -hmm. appeared there, she told the children, or rather, she told uh, Adele to gather the children and to teach them what they need to know for salvation. And really, that mission was, yes, meant for Adele, but really it's a mission that continues today with all the catechists in the church, that we are really fulfilling Our Lady's request. And, And as you are now, as you spread and share this message uh, through your book, Our Lady of Lost Lead, A Mother Weeps for Her Children, people can find it on Amazon. It's available in a Kindle edition. They can also get a paperback version uh, if they'd like. One of the things that I like to do with guests is just to talk a little bit about their own Marian devotion to say, how do you love Mary? And so I have a series of questions that I came up with just to help facilitate that. And, and really, it helps to build your Marian profile. The first question I always ask is just about your favorite title for Mary. There are many different um, our, titles, but...
1: Sure. Our Lady of the Rosary.
0: And, uh, and, of course, that's associated with the Fatima apparition. Our Lady comes uh, and says, I'm the Queen of the Holy Rosary. We have the feast day, Our Lady of the Rosary in October. And, and I would happen to bet that you're probably very devoted then uh, to the rosary.
1: I am, yes. It's been a prayer. I prayed it with my mother when I was little, and now I pray it with my own children. I've done rosary novenas throughout my life. It is definitely my go-to prayer.
0: And The rosary itself is a sacramental, uh, but are there any sacramentals that you kind of love? You know, a lot of people, some wear the brown scapular or a different scapular of Our Lady. They might wear the miraculous medal. There could be some other uh, uh, sacramental that I'm unaware of. And uh, is there one that you're fond of?
1: Um, Well, around my neck, I do have uh, the miraculous medal. And I also recently added a medal of Our Lady of La Salette for when I visited the shrine. So I
0: have those two. Always
1: with
0: me. (laughs) How about a favorite Marian prayer? Of course, the Hail Mary is perhaps the most popular, but there are so many different prayers Mm -hmm. that the saints and that the church tradition has to the Blessed Virgin. Uh, Any favorite Marian prayer?
1: Um, uh, The Memorare is certainly a a great prayer to say. I know it was a favorite of Mother Teresa's. And now if if there's a problem that comes up in my life that needs to be solved quickly, that is one of my
0: I'm not sure if you encountered this while you're at the shrine in La Salette, but they actually have a memorari to Our Lady of La Salette. So it kind of takes the traditional memorari and rephrases it a little bit uh, to correspond to the to the apparition.
1: Yes, I actually include it in the book. It's in the back of the book.
0: Ah, see, very good, and. Uh, yeah. How about the rosary a rosary tip? So you you said you, you're devoted to the rosary, your favorite title of Mary mm-hmm. is Our Lady of the Rosary. So many people they maybe don't pray the rosary. They're like I can't really engage this repetitive prayer or it's monotonous mm-hmm. or I I can't really meditate. I don't understand. So is there any tip that you have that has helped you pray the rosary better?
1: Uh I I mean, I'm I'm still struggling with it. I struggle with meditation as well. My mind wanders. Um, But certainly just to commit to it, um, even if you can commit to starting by saying one decade a day, you know, that is a start. And and certainly in praying with your children. Um, What my mother did with me when I was young and what I've done with my children is we say, when they're little, like in kindergarten or first grade, we'll do one decade, and then in second grade, we'll do two, and in third grade, we'll do three, and then by the time they're in fifth grade, we're saying, you know, one full five-decade rosary every day. So I think that's a way to introduce your children in a way, to it in a way that's not overwhelming, and I encourage that for people who themselves find the rosary difficult. You know, even if you can just start with one decade, that's a good place to start.
0: Mary is present in the pages of sacred scripture, of course, uh, starting with the Annunciation, where she receives the message that she's going to be the mother of the Savior. And all throughout the New Testament, there are Marian prophecies in the Old Testament. Is there any word or scripture passage about the Blessed Virgin that is your favorite?
1: Um, her, the last recorded words of Mary in scripture, do whatever he tells you. Mary will always bring you to
0: Jesus. I can't tell you how many of the guests on the show have always said, do whatever he tells you is their favorite. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we are talking on this show about a Marian apparition of Our Lady of La Salette. There are lots of other apparitions of Our Lady. And uh, which apparition would you claim to be your favorite?
1: Um, I, I guess Our Lady of Fatima, just because that's the one I know the most about. And I've heard about so much since I was a child.
0: Sure. You know, surprisingly, I've done a lot of work on the champion apparition uh, when Our Lady appeared in 1859 in Wisconsin, and people are often shocked when I don't say, you know, champion is my favorite apparition. I've done a lot with it, and uh, I love the shrine, everything like that, but for me, Lourdes won over my heart when I visited it, and so so it's funny that you write this book on Our Lady of La Salette, but uh, Our Lady of Fatima, so so that's <laughs> that's what happens, so... There are other Marian shrines, you know... Oftentimes, I think we just think of Marian Shrine as a place where Mary appeared, but there are so many different shrines, devotional shrines, outside of an apparition uh, that just kind of pop up, that the devotion of mm-hmm. the people uh, allowed a shrine to be built, and now people for, for decades or centuries have come there. And I'm wondering if you've been to a Marian Shrine that isn't an apparition that perhaps is a place that you'd like to visit again, so a favorite Marian Shrine.
1: Um, I actually haven't had the opportunity to go to that many, but I always am touched. Uh, there's a few roadside shrines oh, yes. um, in my travels that, you know, I encounter where people have put a statue up where you can see it from the highway or, you know, perhaps marking a place where someone, you know, unfortunately died in an accident. And, but I think that those are always like this immediate call to prayer when you drive by them and you see them. And what a great tribute to Our Lady that those are.
0: And those are, you know, those are little shrines, right? So, so someone had the devotion and said, I'm going to place this here. And then over time, more people begin to pray there or it draws people into prayer. So, so definitely not like an official recognized shrine, but uh, also a very special place of prayer for many people. There are lots of books about the Blessed Virgin. Many saints have written books. I've written some books about the Blessed Virgin, and uh, other people, other author friends of mine, and perhaps of you, uh, have mm-hmm. written books about Mary. Is there a book recommendation that you would give?
1: Um, I think Father Michael Gately's "The Thirty Three Days to Morning Glory" about the Marian consecration is definitely a must-read for everyone. I made my Marian consecration several years back. I recommend it to anyone who wants a deeper relationship with Mary and in turn with her son.
0: Okay, and the last question I have for you is uh, about Marian hymns. So often we have the Holy Days of Obligation, which we uh, sing Marian songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, just wondering if there's one that you always want to hear at Mass or perhaps one that you hum yourself every now and again.
1: Um, gentlewoman was a song that I've always loved. And I've always sang it to my children as a lullaby when they were small. So that one has a very special place in my heart.
0: How beautiful. And uh, in a future episode of How They Love Mary, I interviewed Katie Prejean-McGrady. And she was talking about how they sang the tantum ergo and the Mm -hmm. salve regina, I believe, uh, as a lullaby to their baby rose. And so it's kind of funny that you mentioned that you sang this (laughs) as a lullaby. Well, that concludes your Marian profile, and I'm so happy that you're able to join me today to talk about the apparition of Our Lady at La Salette and to share a little bit about your book, Our Lady of La Salette, A Mother Weeps for Her Children. If people want to find you online, do you have social media pages, or do you just direct I them do, to they- a website or Amazon?
1: Yeah, um, uh, they can certainly like me on Facebook. I have an author page there, um, Today's com um is my homeschooling website and i also have pfmacarthur.com which highlights my writing and editing services.
0: Oh, you're an editor too. Maybe one day i'll uh, contract you for uh, that service. So for it's very easy to write a book, but i don't have time to go back through and to, to go over yes. all of it. So i hire people yes. to do that, but well, that
1: would be wonderful.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I'll add you to my short list. Well, it's been great to talk to you, and thanks again for joining me today. I'd like to offer a special thanks to our guest, and also to Anna Nuzzo for the music, which has grace this podcast. You've been listening to the podcast "How They Love Mary." I hope it has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at fr Edward Looney. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, I'd invite you to leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening on so that others might also find it. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.